Do you have clients who have their own pet-related businesses? Are you always wondering how you can create a package that would best serve them? Maybe you're stumped between normal pricing, recommended licensing pricing, and giving, well, let's be honest, everything for free? (laughs) Stay tuned. Our guest today is a natural light pet photographer based in the UK. And like many of you, she captures exceptional photographs of pets for their humans, but she has also recognized this whole other market that she can serve, basically the dog brand and the dog influencers. Her photography has helped small dog businesses grow their brand and feature in magazines like Town and Country. And today we're here to talk all about how she got started with brand photography, how those sessions might differ, and of course, the age-old question, how much do you charge for it? Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to season 11, episode nine of the Pet Photographers Club. I'm Kirsty McConnell. And I'm Caitlin J. McCall, and today we are chatting to Kerry Jordan of Fur and Fables in the UK. Welcome to the club, Kerry. So we're super interested to hear all about your brand photography in particular, Kerry. So let's just dive straight into that. Can you tell the listener, basically, how did you get started in offering brand specific packages? You're already offering packages for private clients, I've seen, but how did you get started in specializing or, or offering that as its own package? It's quite funny, actually. It actually started because of my absolute obsession with whippets. Uh, So (laughs) many moons ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, I actually just had a personal page called Whippet Snippets where I photographed my own dogs, which are obviously whippets. And I got approached by a lady who made dog attire, a lady called Debbie. Her company was called Red Hound for Dogs. And her photographer had just decided not to do photography anymore. And she came across my site, saw my images and wondered, because I have whippets, I have to have dog attire, uh, if I would like to do some photography for her. I'm not going to lie, I did a happy dance on the phone call afterwards, but I was also super nervous because I wasn't really too (laughs) sure what to expect from brand photography. As it turned out, we formed like a really deep friendship afterwards and it kind of went from there. I just started doing hers. I hadn't really thought about it for a few more years about doing anything different. And then I just actually got approached organically from other brands and it kicked off from there. So at that time, Kerry, were you working like doing private client stuff as well, or you were just photographing your own whippets and then suddenly you're doing? I was actually just photographing my own whippets. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, I don't think, I I don't think at that time that I'd actually even thought about dog photography as a career. It was amazing. I was like, I didn't, I was doing weddings and family photography portraits at the time, and I didn't know that dog photography was an actual thing. Uh, That's a common story (laughs) amongst the general population. (laughs) So it was one of those things where it kind of steamrolled from there. I I started to get a few clients uh, via my Whippet page. And then about seven years ago, I just decided to start going into dog photography. And then I rebranded maybe two and a half years ago. And that's when I really pushed forward with just pure dog photography. 
That's super interesting. So I had the story a bit wrong then. I guess I assumed that you started off by offering private client dog photography and then you've added brands as a sub offering, but actually it was upside down the other way around, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I think I hadn't really seriously considered myself as dog photographer until Debbie approached me and I didn't do any other brand work after Debbie for a few years. That's when I started to steamroll the whole dog photography side of things. But that's, yeah, that that was kind of the starting point. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So she kind of gave you the confidence that you could um, do more dog photography in, even though that was the first shoot that was for dogs and it was branding then you went into private clients yeah again I think at the time I hadn't even considered doing niching down for brands because I'd not even thought about the fact that I could do niching down for dog clients private clients (laughs) but now you do offer both uh, private clients and brands so How do they differ? And well, actually, let's not uh, go into specifics about private clients because most of the listeners, that's what we offer. But how does a brand specific session differ from a private client session in terms of like, what do you have to plan? What kind of advice you're giving them along the way? Like this kind of thing. And we'll get to pricing at the end. Sure. So I think, first of all, I would like to differentiate with what I think is the difference between brand photography and commercial photography. This is just my own personal thing. Commercial photography, I would say, are for large corporate clients who have a PR team, etc., etc. And I've done a couple of those before. Where I think I come in and I love brand photography, it's more for small dog businesses. So more individual traders who don't really have very much staff and things like that. And the way that it works is, again, most of the time they've approached me organically and I've built up a really lovely audience and they've seen that I've started to offer this and they've come to me. And what I do for them is that I can source the dog models. I just basically put a a casting call out and I'm very specific about the breed that I want and the traits that I want. They have to be able to be good around other dogs. They have to be able to do a sit and a wait. So it's really quite a nice element to be in because you've got full creative control whereas with commercial photography that control is taken away from you a little bit so from there we discuss locations we discuss their their sort of the feel of the brand and what they want to portray is it more natural is it more colorful is it playful is it luxury that kind of thing and then we set up a shoot date and we usually stagger the models and away we go. It's usually outdoors, but I do do a few indoor clients as well. So with those casting calls, Kerry, are you just putting that out on social media? Do you have a like a mailing list that you're contacting? How are you finding those? I have both. I have a Facebook group specifically for dog models who I've used before, so I know that they're reliable. And then I will put out a casting call on my local Facebook group. So it's a good way to also get your name out there as a dog photographer for private clients because you're doing these casting calls and people get to know your name. So are these the dogs that are responding to the casting calls, are they getting paid not for brand photography. I put on the, they usually put on the casting call that the dog model's parents <laughs> will get some images which are basically usually this amount of money. So X amount of cost per digital image. For commercial clients, I usually go through a dog agency and they do get paid. Okay. Okay. This is exciting. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to break this down into a bunch of different things because my ears are like freaked up for everything. So first of all, this private Facebook group you have, you're getting, as you mentioned, two things out of that. One, the dog models for brand clients, but then sometimes they also become private clients, people that are in that group. So how did you grow that? Was it strategic? Did it just happen? How much time do you spend nurturing that? Like, is that a big part of what you have to do? Or is that kind of just something on the side? No, no, not at all. Generally, people are just really willing. They love their dogs. And so I will pop them in my dog model like database, as I said, the, the group. And I will just put out a casting call to them first to see if they're available before I go anywhere else. And again, I just know that the dogs are, are reliable. And it's lovely because they usually go out and then they you know, talk about the shoot and they post it on social media and you get to grow your audience that way. And then other people sometimes just approach you and want their dog to be a dog model. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. So you're giving them high res files to thank them or low res files or ever prints. I mean, what kind of thing are you giving to say thank you? I just give them high res files. I know that this is probably not going to make some people very happy, but at the end of the day, I've then got a dog model for life and I know who they are and we become quite often friends it's a very, very relaxed process. I don't take it too seriously with things like contracts, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've got a good instinct for my clients and I've never been burnt so far. So, Well, no, that's fantastic. I mean, it sounds like the kind of thing that um, you do need a good relationship with the, the dog model and their people. Um, so that totally makes sense to me. And I imagine that you know, dog behavior and everything must come into it quite a lot as well. I mean, it would be quite difficult to work with a very anxious dog, for example, or a dog that doesn't like props being, or, you know, like it doesn't want anything put on. It doesn't wear jumpers. That's not going to work so well for yeah. you. So. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly that. And I think that's the, the thing that I love about brand photography for dogs is you can be super, super specific and you get to make the call. Whereas obviously with private clients, you have no idea what you're going into until you speak to your client. Whereas this is, I want this, 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 and this. And that's usually what turns up, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. That's really interesting. And then the other part that really grabbed my attention that you mentioned very briefly was working with agencies if you're doing a commercial shoot. So can you just walk us through that process? Like imagine I'm a three-year-old child that doesn't understand what even agency is, because this is a totally foreign world to me at least. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners as well, even if we do cover a little bit in the conference last year. Yeah, I'd love to hear your experience with it and the kind of step-by-step process was what that looks like in finding an agency and yeah, all the thing from there. Well, I've been working with two agencies specifically, and they both work in very different ways. One is an individual who trains all types of animals for TV and film. And she actually started out as my dog walker. <laughs> And she has built her business and she's been on like, in fact, one of my dogs has been on a, a BBC drama. And if she can't find a dog that has the same skill sets that the client needs, she will find the dog and then she will train them. So that's one person that I work with. The other people that I work with is an actual agency called Urban Paws in the UK, and they do really big commercials uh, for big brands and things like that. And what they have is an already established database of people and dogs with specific skill sets. So you have to make sure that, you know, the dog matches the skill set and they do all the work for you. So they will send you a casting list 
of the breed that you're looking for and the skill set you're looking for and the location that they're in with all their prices. So let's go deeper into the brand photography because it sounds like from what you were saying in the difference between commercial and brand photography that that's sort of where your your passion lies, where you get to be a little bit more creative, right? Um, So how many brand sessions would you be doing, I don't know, in a year, for example? Well, it depends because some of the brands I've been photographing for seven years and they come to me multiple times per year. For example, Debbie, who initially got me into the brand photography, I sometimes photograph for her two or three times a year, uh, depending on the seasonal element of her dog attire. Uh, and, And then another one comes back once a year every single March for her spring summer launch. And that's dog beds and things like that. Uh, So it could be anywhere between five and nine commercial shoots a year. Uh, Sorry, brand shoots. (laughs) Yeah, brand shoots. Of course, you would have them coming back because they have new products. That was really dumb of me. I just, as you said that, you know, they come back multiple times a year. I'm like, wow, really? Repeat clients. But of course they do. Do you, I mean, we're going to get into pricing properly in the second half of the interview, but do you have special packages if they're coming multiple times or it's just, you know, every time it's a quote? No, every time it's a quote. Right. So interesting. So is it just brands who are local to your area that you're working with? Like how many, I don't know, how many dog brands can, I might be being naive, but how many dog brands can possibly be in your local area? So there's a couple of things that have happened in the past. I have just moved from Sussex, which is in the, the extreme south of the UK, over to the sort of northwest sort of six and a half, seven hours away. And generally what people will do is send me the products and we will go through what their brand wants and I will shoot for them without them being there if it's a location that's too far away. But quite often people have come and stayed overnight if they want to be on the shoot or if they have a dog that is particularly prevalent within their brand and obviously want to include them in the brand shoot, they will travel and they will stay overnight in like an Airbnb or a hotel and then we do the shoot the next day. Oh, fantastic. I guess that's an interesting little trip for them anyway. And I suppose with dog brands, being smaller businesses, do you have quite often business owners who their own dogs are a a part of their branding? Absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. Right. Right. And so you're doing obviously the product photography with the dogs is part of the service that you then have to provide also doing, you know, just product photography without dogs there? Very rarely. Usually, if it's a product photography, I will have an element of the dog in it. So it could be the product with some dog feet in the background, or, you know, it could be the product in focus with the dog, you know, blurry, sort of in the distance, that kind of thing. But it's very rare that I do just pure product photography. Right. So it's not that you then have to do the white backdrop. No, no. If somebody comes to me with that, it's just, I know people who can do it way better than me. (laughs) That makes sense because also if somebody is coming to you wanting a clean white backdrop, I'm imagining that that's for like catalogs and this kind of thing, which is probably not what your typical client needs if they're a, a small dog brand is that right they mostly need social media I mean what what are they coming to you for usage wise Karen a lot of it is social media but they have their own brochures so again using Debbie as an example she sends out this 
amazing cute little catalogue to her existing customers, which has now become like a marketing tool because she asks which of the images are going to be on the front cover, that kind of thing. And people actually share it on social media. So it's a good marketing tool for people, but it's also for things like trade shows and actually getting PR. I do a lot of work with brands to try and get good images so that they can get in magazines and newspapers to sell their story, that kind of thing, because newspapers and magazines won't often have their own photographer to send out. So they're relying on the brand to have good quality images of their products so that they can put them in these glossy newspapers and magazines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And it makes sense that they need to be like a more editorial vibe than catalog for those places. Okay. Wow. <laughs> there is so much to go into in this episode. I'm like frantically writing notes. So I don't forget all these things to ask you, but I did want to probably save a lot of that for the second half of this episode. Yeah. I'm so keen to dive into Well, I'm, I'm been biting my tongue asking about pricing because <laughs> You know, it's what everyone always wants to hear. Um, it's especially because this is quite a different niche than, you know, most of us who are working with private clients. I'm really interested to hear your approach to that. But yeah, let's wrap up part one. We will have all the links and resources that we've mentioned as always in the show notes of this episode. So just head over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash 1109 to get links to Kerry. And if you're a member of the club, of course, you can continue listening to part two of our interview in the member zone. Don't forget, if you're not a member yet, you can join for just $10 a month. Club membership includes tons of perks, bonus content, and uh, of course, the second half of this fantastic episode so head on over to the petphotographersclub.com to find out more thanks for listening to the pet photographers club to subscribe to the podcast check out other episodes and keep up to date head to the petphotographersclub.com